Hello and welcome to Daily House Music. My name is Colin McDonald and this is The Damn Tonight Show. Now for tonight's guest we have Chad Switecki from Noises and Signals. We got Elijah Zane coming up and a few and a lot to cover. So let's jump into it and start with the headline. Now first up, the Grand Ole Opry just bought Austin City Limits. I mean like basically. The Ryman Group, owner and operator of the Grand Ole Opry and Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, bought Block 21, an area famous for ACL Live and the W Hotel. So what do you think of this powerhouse merger? Or is that even a thing? I'm sure the Don't Nashville My Austin people will have something to say about it, but it feels a little bit better than even the Austin-based Stratus Properties who owns it now. So does this mean we're going to get ACL mic stands like the Grand Ole Opry? Because that will be awesome. In other news, the Loom app, a social media streaming music discovery app for Apple only, just launched a new gifting feature called Notes. And from the BizTimes article, the new gifting system allows fans to support their favorite artists using Loom's in-app currency called Notes, which app users can purchase or earn through rewards and achievements. The goal of the system is to allow musicians to grow and monetize their fan base. Loom Chief Executive Officer Max Fergus said many app users in the music streaming industry have been frustrated by the financial side of the industry. Therein lies the need for disruption, Fergus said. Every generation has seen an evolution of music consumption, and now we have the ability to give this generation of artists and fans what they truly want. Yeah, that's what fans truly want, is to pay for music again. Obviously, with all the trends we've been seeing lately, I mean, CD sales are at an all-time high, digital download purchases are hitting record numbers, vinyl is still a great market, and the new Tesla Roadster is supposed to come equipped with a cassette deck to meet the new market demand. Oh, just, just one of those things was true. Come on! This? Another take on microtransactions? Thanks, Loom. Are you trying to get purchased by Amazon or Spotify? I mean, I get that if you are, but this is literally the opposite of disruption. This is Candy Crush meets Patreon. I'm curious to see what's next for Loom as they just partnered with Frank Productions and they're a large concert promoter in the United States. I'm optimistic, but for literally no reason. And finally in the news, CD Baby announced their details for the 6th Annual DIY Musician Conference next summer. And I wasn't able to attend the last one, but were you? I, do, I did see Henry and the Invisibles made out great from last year, so how did you like it? And more importantly, you gotta hand it to CD Baby because they really have figured it out. Make money off of musicians. I mean... And just a reminder, these events, for all that they are, good and bad, the best thing that you can do at anything that is creative related to the, related to the creative industry is shake hands and build relationships. It's really the only thing that can get you where you want to go. And now for our main story, the Live Music Fund. On Monday, the city held a community forum to discuss the possibilities for the hotel occupancy tax funds that voters approved November 5th with the defeat of Prop B. Now. What I've realized after talking with so many of you about this issue is that y'all don't know anything about how city government works, like anything. So we're adding a new segment next week, Better Know Our Music Capital, where I'll be explaining how the city is set up to work with the music community. Now we're lucky enough to have representation in city offices, and now it's time to get informed and get involved. But for right now, just know that there are roughly around $3 million on the table for live music in 2020, and this forum was held on Monday as a way for the city to reach out and find out what you think the money should be used for. So do you have thoughts and opinions? Head over to Speak Up Austin and the links down below and fill out the one question survey. And I swear to you, if we only get nine responses on this one like we did for the Creative Spaces survey, I quit. But I think I'm safe, because over a hundred people showed up on Monday to witness the shotgun spray of artist ideas for the best way to spend $3 million. And there were some really wild suggestions. 
But at least half of the people who spoke, and I'm being kind here with half, you can watch it yourself in the links below, basically said, hey, a music commission, give me money, because uh, I do this and I do this. But there were some voices of reason in the room. I really appreciated uh, what Harold McMillan said. And wow, that guy's got a great voice. Uh, Matt Ott from Black Fret and Dan from the Mosaic Collective both spoke and thankfully made it about the community and not them pitching for funds. I see y'all and I thank you for your words on Monday. But there was one man there that really stole the show and he got me thinking. And that man was Jack Pop. My name is Jack Pop, by the way. And uh, the idea that um, I've been thinking about for a long time is uh, a retirement home for elderly awesome musicians called Geezer's Paradise. <laughs> it's a place where they can live and, you know, share food and ideas and lectures and stuff. And so I'm hoping that some of the money maybe could go to a old folks home for He was great, extremely charismatic, and actually had what looked like a very detailed plan. But here's what I want to focus on, the response. And the response was, uh, there's already a nonprofit for that. Y'all remember back when mobile phones first came out and apps were all the rage? There's an app for that. In Austin, we've now become, there's a nonprofit for that. We have well over 100 music-focused nonprofits in this city, and people say that with pride. What? How are you proud of the fact that the city has tried over 150 times and failed? Well, maybe not them failed in their specific mission, but the music community isn't being sent home from the ICU anytime soon. We've got kidney and liver failure, but don't worry, there's 14 nonprofits that supply food to sick musicians. And there's probably one that will walk your dogs while you're on tour. But we're still dying. What in the world has caused this explosion of nonprofits? I actually have a theory. And you're not gonna like it, especially if you're running a music-focused nonprofit in Austin. Money! You see, some musicians in our community and some people in our community have figured out how to make a living doing music-related things, like being an admin for a nonprofit. You see, when you start a 501c3, you can immediately start raising money, and the money that you raise is tax-deductible for the giver. Now, if you know some rich folks that want a tax write-off and want to look cool by giving money to culture, start a nonprofit and ask them for all their money. It's really easy. So easy, in fact, that there are over a hundred of them. Also, you can apply for city and state grants when you have a nonprofit. So if you're intelligent, meticulous, and have way more time on your hands than most of us do, write a grant proposal and get funded. Now let's interject here and say, yes, absolutely, there are some good, well-run, well-intentioned, music-focused nonprofits here. Absolutely. But what's the percentage? 10? 50? So about the musicians working in our nonprofit sector. I'm kind of on the fence, honestly. On the one hand, good for them. They beat, it. they beat the system, figured out a way to make a living, and only have to sell their soul a little bit. On the other hand, you are the problem. At the very least, part of the problem. And I'm really tired of hearing you say, people saying they're a professional musician, but all your money comes from doing admin work for a nonprofit. That's not being a musician. Or if you've gotten any money or are currently taking city money, you're not allowed to complain about other people doing the same thing as you. It's fine that you're doing it, but don't lie to yourself or us. It's fine taking the money from city or corporate donor money or whatever. But you have to give back your authenticity card, which you obviously don't care about or you wouldn't be doing it in the first place. So what's the solution? That's honestly a tough one. And I, the idea I have isn't easy and certainly wouldn't be profitable and most assuredly will put well-deserving people out of work. But what about the Great Austin merger? Where not all the nonprofits, but chunks of them broke off into teams I mean, it would be pretty easy to figure out who goes with who. 
So head on over to austintexas.gov and search the site for 20 minutes or so until you find the list of music-focused nonprofits. Cut and paste the link below, and let's all play the match game. Find nonprofits serving the same demo, providing the same service, or even run by the same people, and let's start a conversation about doing more, better, faster together. I'd love to see your comments about all of this down below. The Damn Tonight Show will return with Chad Switecki on Meet the Damn Press after this short message. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Daily Awesome Music. Welcome back to Daily Awesome Music. I'm here with Chad Switecki, a prolific writer for the Rolling Stone, for the Austin Business Journal, Creative Industries, um, the Austin American Statesman, At the times, Austin yes. Monitor. Right. Uh, I read you all the time. Thank you. And I'm I'm especially curious about what's your passion for the music scene? Why you're why you're covering it so well? Well, I mean, I first got into journalism when I was a teenager because of music. You know, I loved reading Rolling Stone and wanting to interview uh, musicians and celebrities, and so that's kind of what what I what led me into journalism in the first place. But then I kind of developed writing about news and business and things like that, just because I was good at it and there was more opportunity there. But kind of always wanted to figure out where those intersected, you know, right, business right. and and news and the arts. Kind of, I, I feel like there's a lot of fertile ground there for, for things to happen. And you always hear about like the little things that happen with the venue opening or someone doing something with policy that kind of changes the way musicians are compensated or the way that clubs are able to operate or things like that. And I feel like, especially in Austin, that's something that is tremendously important and valuable. And I just, a friend of mine years ago said, you know, find your little corner of the world and then peel it back. And it, it kind of started to be a thing like, that's the thing that I'm interested in. I'm, I'm a geek for it. I care about it. Like, and a lot of people like to read it, but they don't really follow it closely. And so I'm, I'm happy to be the guy who stays on top of that stuff, writes about it, and tells the stories that I don't think anyone else is really telling in a comprehensive way. So I've been doing that for... What is it? Six, seven years at this point. Um, you know, pretty, pretty uh, committedly. So. Nice. And so you just started the new site, Noises and Signals, three weeks ago. Tell, tell me about that and, and why. My my good friend Alec Boyd and I started that a couple weeks ago. Yes, because um, as someone who's written a lot about music in Austin and the Red River District, especially, I I had been tracking what was going to happen with the future of Beerland, which had closed in May, and and everyone was kind of worried about what was next for it. I knew that the folk, a couple of the fellas who manage Stubbs, had gone in to purchase it, but they hadn't really talked to the press. But thankfully, I have a pretty good relationship with those guys. And so I said, you know, let me be the one to tell that story. And, and they said, sure. But I didn't have an outlet 
to write that story the way I wanted to because you know the Chronicle is not gonna they've got music writers right. the statement statesman's got music writers the ABJ the business journal they're just gonna do a business story about it I wanted to do something it was pretty hardy pretty hefty mm-hmm. uh, and and tell a real story and and I'd always kind of you know kicked around the idea of starting a site and so uh, that that got it started and I just called up Alec uh, who's you know I'm 41 Alex 25 he's out much more than I am frankly these days and I said you know do you want to start something and he said I was thinking about doing something yes let's do it and so we grabbed a coffee that weekend came up with the name and we're off to the races so it was literally one story started the site but it's an opportunity to kind of tell do the kind of writing that's maybe a little bit uh, on the fringe or a little bit um, you know adventurous the first thing Alec and I ever wrote was I don't like the band Wilco he loves the band Wilco and we both went to one of the shows that they played in October here in town uh, at ACL live and we did a, a back and forth about it called fighting words just <laughs> arguing about whether whether Wilco is actually good or not and yes. that had a good response and so we thought all right this could actually you know get some traction and be yeah. something so it's still and it's very uh, it's still wearing I don't even know if it's wearing diapers at this point um, <laughs> but it's it's something that we're both excited about and right. you know uh, noisesandsignals.com uh, is uh, if you want to check us out how how have you seen Austin music change in the six years that you've been covering it I mean it continues to get harder and harder to live as a musician as an artist in general in Austin just because the city is growing so quickly and it's getting more and more expensive everyone knows that and so that continues to be just this ongoing issue that is facing is is um uh, you know affecting everyone i'll tell you a quick story about like when i was first interviewing with the austin business journal um this is back in early 2013 and uh, something that had kind of popped up on my right radar and i was worried about it was the work on the um waller creek flood tunnel downtown that when it's completed is going to take hundreds of, of acres of land in prime real estate area out of the floodplain, make it developable, raise every, jack up everyone's property values. That's where, and that's where Beerland, Mohawk, uh, Empire, what's now Empire, Elysium, um, what's now Cheer Up Charlie's, and uh, Plush, uh, I, there's a bunch of others of, yeah. of kind of thriving meccas of, of live music. Uh, they're right in that in that danger zone of getting their their rate their rental rates jacked up, right. and that had always been in my mind like what's going to happen there. And so in my interview with the Austin Business Journal about whether they're going to hire me, they said, "Is there something big that you want to work on?" And I said, "It, it just popped into my head that telling the story of what." is at play in that district you know the danger that those clubs are in is something that i don't think is being reported right Right. it hasn't been covered i want to do it and i think it's something that people will you know pay a lot of attention to and care about pretty uh, pretty significantly and you know we i started there in march i wrote a big story cover story about it in july and in october the city passed to the the resolution to create the red river cultural district i'm not going to claim credit for it but i'm not going to not claim credit for it you know because you have business leaders and political leaders reading the public these publications Absolutely. and that's another thing when you write for the business journal for the monitor uh, and for other publications that are read by decision makers, you get to kind of have an influence and have a say in what happens. And 
we all like to have influence, right? Absolutely. So I, I totally am one of those. That's awesome. Yeah. You've seen uh, Almost Famous, oh, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, so yeah. my first assignment with Rolling Stone happened in 2011 when um, Emo's, the you know, legendary club here in yeah, town, was yeah. closing. And they, they had, they had the, the band, the, the hard rock band Clutch, play um, one night at the new venue, because the, the, Emo's moved, technically. So at the brand new big concert hall venue, and then the next night they played the last show at the tiny venue downtown. The first, so the first night at the large venue, uh, I'm there and I've got a you know press pass and I'm um, going to negotiate around the concert barrier so I can get down low and see everything because right. obviously I'm not standing up. Um, and I, I didn't even think about it, but when the the uh, security guy kind of looked at me, I'm like, "What are you doing?" And I and I just said, "Look, man, I'm with Rolling Stone," and and he was like, oh, "All right," and, and then I, I got behind the barricade and kind of got situated, and then I was just like, "Oh my God, I got to say it!" Like I like it wasn't even I didn't even have it loaded. Like right, I wasn't right. even it was purely it was really candid and sincere. I wasn't like waiting to say it. So then when I kind of settled in and kind of caught myself, I was like, "All right, <laughs> you know." Awesome. Yeah, and so I mean that opened a lot of doors for for about five years. You oh, know, sure. of having that kind of imprimatur on what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So if you get to do crap like that. God, I mean, soak in every minute of it because it could go away. So yeah. yeah, just love it. Amen. And that, and that can be said for Austin too. Enjoy this place because it is unlike anywhere else. We're at the Sound Gallery right now. I've never yeah. been here. I've yeah. been here for twelve years. I've never even been here or many other places. We should give a hearty thanks to the folks yes. at the Sound Gallery. Thank you, Sound Gallery. Uh, Big thank you to the Sound Gallery on South Congress for having us. Robert Johnson for uh, setting us up back here in this beautiful room, and for you for suggesting this place. Yeah, uh, we're really grateful for them letting us set up and set up shop here and yes. <laughs> talk musical for a little bit. Awesome. Thank you, man. A pleasure. That. Thank you. Thank you. Now, thank you so much to Chad Switeki for talking with me. Please head over to noisesandsignals.com to read his latest article about Free Week. And we'll be right back with Elijah Zane for Musicians in Conversation right after this short message. We're going to talk about the two best things you can do for the Austin music community. Number one, go see live music. Go pay cover. Go buy merch. Do it now. And if you can't do that, number two is comment on everything. So let's recap. The two best things you can do right now for the Austin music community is number one, go see live music. Number two, comment on everything. Anything that you see from an Austin musician, an Austin band, an Austin artist, a local band, local businesses, comment on them. Show them your love, even if it's just a bunch of emojis. All right, welcome back to Daily Austin Music. I'm sitting here with Elijah Zane, who uh, went to New Zealand over the summer. And man, just, just tell me about that and how you ended up going on this trip and all that. Oh, uh, hey Colin, thanks a lot for asking. Okay, so how did I end up in New Zealand to go on tour? Um, well, I thought about setting a goal, and my goal was to perform outside of the country at a blues festival. That was the goal. So what I did was um, I knew that I had to have uh, some type of music to sell, like something to, to publish, and then I needed a, a website. And so the first of three goals that I set was to produce a record. So I just went to Nick Jay's studio in Dripping Spring, and um, we recorded three songs, and it took about a month, not long, you know, we, we spent some time on it and just knocked it out. So that was 
goal one is right. do the record. So I had saved up a lot of money oh, for sure. a while and I thought, okay, now it's time to invest in uh, uh, my first EP. So number two goal was to build a website. Right. And so I thought I would spend some time on building something for myself and took, took about a month to do. And because um, I knew that if I, were going, if I was going to send out some emails out to people all over the world, I needed a decent website for people to learn about my story right. and about my music and how serious I wanted to take this. And that's your first impression when you're sending these emails, you're sending the link, that's their first impression of you. And I went on your website, it's amazing. It's Thanks, beautiful. I appreciate that, thank you. Um, so after the website was done, so we, goal one was record, goal two was website, goal three was book the show outside of the country. Right. All right, so now I thought, okay, I'm ready to do this, I, I, I gotta make this happen. So what I did was I spent some time building a database of all the blues fests around the world that I thought I'd be a good fit for. And after I built the database, I designed a script for an email and I sent every individual person that I had as uh, um, an email for, I sent them all an email like separately. And I followed up, sometimes I made calls, um, but we, I had three people reach back out to me that showed some out of, interest. Out of how many of these? Out of, in my database, I think I had like 12. Okay. And um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I had three of them. The other two, one was in Australia and the other one was in New Zealand. And they said that if you're here, well, if you're already here, we'll book you for the show. Right. But, but what I think they're doing is trying to avoid to pay for the plane ticket. Absolutely. But um, Shirley in, uh, in New Zealand at the Bay of Islands uh, Blues Festival, or Blue, Jazz and Blues Festival, she actually sent me an email saying, hey, thanks for reaching out to us. Um, we listened to your music, we saw your website, we'd love to have you here. And I just thought, well, no way, man. So I stayed <laughs> up late, Skyped her, right. and I was like, hey, Shirley, this is Elijah in Texas. Are you serious about booking me and playing over there? She, and she was like, oh yeah, mate, just get a plane ticket and get on down here. <laughs> so it was really cool. So awesome. we negotiated um, a price right. and she sent me a contract within like two days and I get on the plane like on a Monday night. Right. And you pretty much have a slumber party in the plane because when you wake up, you're in New Zealand. Yeah. Like, as I get on the plane like at nine o'clock at night, and um, you know they feed you food, you watch movies, and you're just like sleeping. And when you wake up, you're in New Zealand, and that's the flight from Houston to New Zealand nonstop. Wow, that's awesome. Which is like I don't know, thirteen hours. So you fly into the future over there. So did you play other shows besides the festival while you were there? I did. I did. Um, I played at other venues. Um, in Auckland. Oh, cool. Yeah, so when I arrived in New Zealand, I, I flew into Auckland, mm -hmm. and then um, I stayed there for a day at a hostel at base camp downtown. Mm -hmm. And then I took a bus three hours north to a little town called Paia. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that area, there's like a resort community called uh, Bay of Islands. Mm -hmm. And I stayed there for three days, which was the festival. Right, right. Um, so uh, I played three days, twice a day, and the festival was uh, pretty amazing. Um, there were people from Australia that came, there were people from all over New Zealand, and we played twice a day for three days, and at each show, there was an average of about maybe 500 and 600 people. Oh, nice. So the attendance was uh, plentiful, and uh, the people there were just so amazing. Awesome. Um, they were just having such a good time. Right. And so how, how well was it received? I know you went down there with like two or 300 CDs. How'd that go? Right, so um, the festival loved it because they 
were calling me the guy from Texas, the Texas guitar player. And I sometimes take advantage of where I am in the world and, and the, an amazing community of fabulous musicians we have here in Austin, Texas and everywhere in Texas. Um, I, am, I took 200 discs with me and I sold all of them uh, while I was at pretty much the festival. I had maybe like a handful left when I went back to Auckland. Um, but I sold all of them and I didn't put a price on them. I just right. told people in the audience that I do have a CD for sale and you can buy them however much you wanted to buy them for. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So what what would you say the average that they paid for the CD? Oh, people were buying them for like $10 and then a lot of people were buying them for 40 New Zealand dollars, wow. which is about $23 in for, US. For a three song. Yeah, for CD. three songs. But that's it was amazing. cool. Yeah. That's what it was worth to them. Exactly. You, you provided the value and they decided to reward you for that. That's yeah, I think amazing. so. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I, I like the idea of giving them control. Thank you. For yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks Thank for having me. Thank you, Easy, for being on the show and sharing your experience. If you'd like to be on the Damn Tonight Show, text me at 512-967-3386 and briefly tell me why you're interesting. Be sure to check out the Damn Today Show every day at 9 a.m. and the Damn Tonight Show live Wednesdays at 1035. Thank you so much for watching. I'll see you tomorrow. Hi, I have an ice cream truck and I write the music to attract customers. I just came up with a new song, but I don't have the money to go record it in a studio. Could I get $20,000? Oh yeah, what kind of ice cream do you sell? Oh, I don't sell ice cream. I just drive the truck around giving out the joy of music. That's not how this works. Oh, hold on. Okay, look, I, I, uh, I registered as a non-profit. How about now? You get 100000